And he told me, make sure as you, you know, go about your career that your desire and your hunger is not louder than your intuition. And that has stayed with me because I think we get so obsessed with wanting to succeed and wanting to achieve this thing, whatever the thing is, is that we don't listen to our intuition. My name is Melinda Hale. I am a singer, songwriter, and activist, and I am The Hustle. Welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, a weekly show where an aspiring actor and screenwriter set out to educate and inspire artists and entrepreneurs all over the world with the stories and challenges of those hustling towards success. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the Hollywood Hustle Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Lutheran, and I am so happy to be back with you guys after recharging and lots of filling Thanksgiving break. I hope some of you out there use this time to be with family and with loved ones to recharge. I know that some of you may have had to work through the holiday, and please know that Team Hustle was cheering you on. And also, many of you probably drove many, many hours to get to your final destination, and hopefully we help keep you company during that trip. But no matter what, we are all back to the Hollywood Hustle this week. Up on the pod today, we have our final guest interview for season three, which is really crazy to say, but yes, our final guest of the year, Melinda Hale. As we previewed in last week's Thanksgiving Hustle, Melinda is a wealth of knowledge and experience and positivity and is just so talented. Daniel is going to list off all of her numerous titles once we get into the interview, but one of the many things that Melinda Hale is, is a musician. We haven't had a musician on the show since season one, and to celebrate, we'll be featuring a couple of her songs as our transition music into and out of her interview. Of course, you can listen to all of Melinda's music on iTunes or on Spotify. Speaking of which, if you love hearing advice and stories from creative entrepreneurs in the entertainment industry, then think about subscribing to this podcast. Even though this is our last guest interview for season three, we have a catalog of over 90 guest interviews featuring conversations with actors, casting directors, filmmakers, showrunners, assistants, podcasters, creative development executives, YouTubers, magicians, and more. If you're finding value in this show, Show your support by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with the other Hollywood hustlers in your life. We're always trying to grow the League of Hustle. That's the name we give for our listeners. And we're so grateful that you're now part of our community. With that said, let's jam our way into this interview. I say that because I'm going to play Melinda's song, La La Song, and then our host, Daniel Tuttle, will take it away. Let the hustle begin. A complicated harmony, yet your music sings to me. It's always on my mind. A short, unfinished song that keeps me guessing all day long. It's just you. The beat of my heart was there from the start. I wrote you this little song, so maybe you'll sing along. As you heard in the intro, folks, we are here today with Melinda Hell. She is a performer, a singer, a songwriter, an activist, a, uh, a blogger, a podcaster, a model. Uh, she does it all. And as always with us is my La La Land, 
my La La song, Michael Lutheran. But I, uh, I mean, after that introduction, like, Melinda, you do so many things. All I'm things, tired. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I know, I was listening to you, and I was like, geez, I really need to, like, bear this down a bit. We also need to add role model onto the oh, list of credits. Oh, sweet. Thank you. I, I Thank don't know if you. I said activist in there. Yes. Uh, so I guess my first question is, when, when do you sleep? It's a very, when does very that happen? Good and valid when do you lay your head down <laughs> and not like in a chair in between performances or like in a car on the way somewhere? Like when are you home in a bed sleeping? I go to bed fairly early, like which people probably are surprised by, but like 10 30, 11, that's when I'm in bed. That's not that's early. The time, like, but like for me, that's the time I normally am in bed, but I don't go to sleep. I, well, I, see, I, I think I for the see, musician lifestyle, but as a musician lifestyle, that is super early. Because I know so many people have gigs like okay, starting gotcha. at midnight. Yeah. Oh, like, of course. Nice I get that for a musician. It's not going to happen, yeah. yeah. But then I get up at like 5.30 with my husband and, and, and you know, I, I'll work for a few hours. But then I take naps during the day. That's key. I've tried so many times and I've, Daniel knows I've failed so many times as well. Uh, well, real quick, Melinda, just give us a breakdown of kind of where are you from uh, and how you found yourself in Los Angeles? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm originally from Santa Barbara, California. Okay. So always Southern California girl. And when I graduated high school, I applied to a few colleges, but I ended up uh, settling with Azusa Pacific University, which if you don't know where Azusa is, I don't blame you because nobody knows where Azusa is. <laughs> um, it's right outside of Pasadena. It was a liberal arts Christian college and I got my degree in opera there and a minor in musical theater. After that, I was in LA for a little bit, but I immediately already got jaded, which is so sad. It was like two <laughs> years after college. I was like, ah, I need a break. So I, I moved to New York for a while and I was there for a few years and it was a great experience and I did more theater and then I met my now husband and he ended up getting to law school in Chicago so we lived in Chicago for three years and then we moved back to LA in 2013 so I've considered LA home ever since really. Wow and so having lived in three major markets mm -hmm. what would you say like are the big differences like with New York, Chicago, LA? I miss the convenience of New York. I really love the subway system, being able to walk everywhere. I love that. I feel weird walking somewhere in LA. <laughs> it's just feels well, there odd. is that song. No one walks in LA. Because nobody walks in LA. Is that really a song? It is a song yeah. by who? It's that's a good question. <laughs> but I'm like, who is that song by? But I totally don't know bring up Don't bring up something. Continue with your answer, and I'll find out. Yeah, so I love the convenience of New York. I, I do love the different uh, environment there. L.A., I mean, it's just home, you know, and, and, it, and you can't really beat home. Chicago really actually is my favorite of the three, minus the weather. I truly think that if it wasn't like disrespectfully cold in the winter that we probably would have stayed there but it's so rude I love like, that description but it disrespectfully is, it is, cold it is what a disrespect it really is <laughs> It just like slaps you in the face and stabs you in the back at the same time. Don't you know I'm here? And then it just <laughs> blows it in your face. And then it just blows it in your face. Yeah. Yeah. But Chicago, I think from a cultural perspective, from a food perspective, from being able to uh, drive and have public transportation, it really is the best of both worlds of LA and New York. And I think that that's kind of why I liked it. Their music scene really wasn't as vast as I would have liked it to be, but I got more involved in doing theater, TV, film, and commercial when I was out there. And it was just a whole different experience. It's really cool. You hit like three really big markets, yeah, the, yeah. You know, New York, LA, and Chicago. Definitely. And I love that you mentioned about being jaded. What about Los Angeles kind of started jading you that for that you kind of I know. It, it was so quick, too. <laughs> like I didn't even really give it a chance. it was just after your undergrad. 
Yeah, right? it was like two years after undergrad, and I was like, eh, I think I wanted a break already. <laughs> um, but I think when I was in college, you know, we would come out into Hollywood and kind of experience that life. And I started doing gigs while I was in college as well. And I just automatically saw that if I got too comfortable here, I didn't think I was going to be able to achieve the goals that I had. So I, I've always kind of been ahead of myself in that sense. But I thought, you know what? Let me, I know I want to live in LA for the rest of my life, but let me get some other life experiences. Let right. me yeah. LA will always be here. LA is not going anywhere, you know? So I was like, let me go to a different city. I'm always a city girl. I'd never saw myself being in like a small town or anything like that. So I just wanted to try, you know, New York and Chicago just happened because of my husband, but I'm very grateful for that experience because it really changed my life and it really helped me with being more of a self-starter and figuring out what I wanted to do with my career and even being in New York and Chicago helped me navigate LA a little bit better when I moved back. One of the things that we've talked a lot about on the show, Daniel, is traveling alone versus traveling with someone else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you moved to New York by myself. By yourself. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And how how soon into your journey there did you meet your husband? Uh, I met him a few months into that journey. Uh, and I was like, you messed everything up. <laughs> um, but, uh, as yeah, we so, do. Yeah, I know. Oh do. my gosh. I was like happy and single and like single ladies, Beyonce all the way. And then he <laughs> messed it up. I was teasing about that. But yeah, so I moved to New York probably this early summer of 2009. And then I met him New Year's that year when I came home. And uh, so we were long distance for a while. He went to law school. He was in his first year of law school. And then I moved to Chicago to be with him. Yeah, so it, it was a couple of years, but I'm really grateful for that time in New York and Chicago. And also, Walking in L.A. is a real song by The Missing Persons. There um, we go. There I didn't say go. it wasn't real. I was just wondering who it was about. Uh, so <laughs> when did you first start performing? When did music kind of become a bigger part of your life? Was it when you were younger, a little older? No, for sure. It was very young. I, I mean, I grew up singing in church and being in the children's choir and then moving into the adult choir when I was in high school. But... Um, I still remember to this day and my parents will tell you and it's what kind of shaped my uh, path. I was five years old and I saw Whitney Houston sing the national anthem for the Super Bowl. Oh, and I was God. like, I want to oh. do that. I want to do that. And I'm going to do that. And from then on, just and my dad was a musician and my, my grandmother was a singer as well. So I was always influenced by a lot of great music growing up. But seeing Whitney Houston sing really changed everything I can't, for me. I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah She's I remember just that. Huge inspiration and um, her music, her voice, obviously, I mean, my God. And that national anthem to this day to me is like one of the most patriotic things that's ever happened to this country. <laughs> it's just incredible. So yeah, she really set the precedent for me and kind of the path that I wanted to go. Was there someone on. personally in your life that was a, re a really big support and kind of push you down that journey? Or is this something that you kind of have been, al not alone, but right. have kind of been right, like you're own motivation no I mean my parents for sure you know my dad he music was more of a hobby for him but when they saw that I had a talent and a young age and an interest in it they definitely you know put me in piano lessons and encouraged me to sing in the choir and doing musical theater in school and things like that and then I had um, a, a theater teacher in fifth grade who ended up being my theater teacher in junior high and in high school I oh, tease wow. him that he was following me um, <laughs> but he still to this day is a, a very close friend of mine and a mentor and he's someone that really really encouraged me and then my choir teacher in high school really uh, was a huge mentor for me as well. So teachers are very important and uh, <laughs> make a difference in, in your life for sure. Is there, is there something in particular now when looking back, something maybe you were pushed to do or something that you did that you feel was uh, essential to where you are now that maybe other people, other kids that are listening or other younger people that are like, if I wanted to go on this, mm -hmm. definitely do this. Uh, for me, it was taking piano lessons Okay, because I think uh, there is this misconception that singers aren't musicians. Mm -hmm. 
And I am very glad that my, my dad put me in piano lessons to not be one of those people because a lot of people have great voices, but they don't know how to read music or write music or, you know, do anything, how to lead a band. And I think being able to be a musician has really, really helped me succeed in, in this career so far. Fantastic. It just adds another notch in your belt for sure that you can do. For sure. So you can add that to not only what you can do to make your stuff better, but also things you can do on as a side hustle. Absolutely. So when did you start writing your own songs? Because that yeah, that is a skill that I admire so much. Because it's one thing to just learn a song. For sure. It's another sure. thing to just construct it. I definitely wrote my first song when I was nine, and I'm pretty sure it didn't make any sense. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Uh, I, th- I feel like maybe I kind of remember. Not really, though. I'm trying to think. But um, I would say in high school, I started writing. I, I did. And whether they were good songs, I don't know. But just really taking that leap to to, sure. to kind of put my feelings on paper. And then obviously when I got into college and took songwriting classes and learned more about form and, and structure and listening to more pop songs and things like that, I learned like, oh, this is like how you compose a really great song. But yeah, it started very young, just kind of sitting at piano and humming and figuring out melodies or kind of just playing different chords and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's always been something that's been in me. We've had a lot of writers on this show. And one of the big pieces of advice they always share is, just write, yeah. right? Just get get it out. And totally. I think those formative years when you're in high school and stuff, especially if you want to become a musician, songwriter, mm-hmm. is to just write those songs, even right. if it's sappy, silly, well, or you whatever. Have all the feelings in high school. <laughs> <laughs> of course, all of the feelings. But it's it's so important, I think, as a musician to practice that element yes. of putting emotions to music and, mm-hmm. and and lyrics and everything like that. When did you really start going out and performing your own work and what and also I've always wondered just what is that process of booking venues and yeah well back in the day <laughs> um <laughs> in college um I started performing uh, my sophomore year of college I actually took a semester off and then went back and finished my degree and took way too many credits so I can graduate on time I don't recommend doing that <laughs> if you're listening please don't I've, but I've I, done that yeah oh yeah. man so yeah, I, I took a semester off and um, yes, as I said back in the day, it was Craigslist was a th- was still a thing. I don't even know if it is anymore. It, no, it's still a thing. Is I, it, I got I got my I, first. Is it for gigs? Oh yeah, I, I got <laughs> really? my first my first paid writing gig was off Craigslist. Really? Yeah. Well, that's where I got a lot of my singing gigs yeah, yeah. in college. And um, I remember the first big show that I had was at this little club in Beverly Hills called RJ's that is no longer there. And um, I did one show there, and they loved me, and I ended up getting a residency there to do a show there like once a month and it was really really cool and I had a huge band and it was a lot of fun I was like okay I can do this I could do this you know so then from then on I just started finding other venues and you know looking on Craigslist and finding um, just different groups and other people I knew that performed around town and asking like, oh, hey, how do you get booked at this venue? And just not being afraid to ask. And it was really cool. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. And so when you performed at Beverly Hills, did they already have a band that you were set to play with? No. Or? So I had to get my own musicians. And okay. again, got them all on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you, Craigslist saved my life in college. No joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found um, I found a guitar player. I found a drummer. I found a keys player. And a bass player. And then I had horns at the time as well, which I quickly realized I didn't need. Um, it's just a lot of people <laughs> so to just, kind of like. That's already like 15 people on just stage. Too many. And then background singers was like, Melinda, slow down. Like this is like your first gig. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this serious. Um, but I was like, I'm going to be somebody. And so I thought I needed to hire all of L.A. to back me up for these shows. But um, yeah, I slowly pared it down to just having four and then background singers. But 
yeah, Craigslist really saved my life in college, which is so funny because I just, I haven't even touched that thing in, I don't even know how many years, but I I mean, I found rooms on Craigslist. I found furniture on Craigslist. The Craigslist hustle is a thing. You're also one of our first musicians since season one uh, of launching this show. And one of the things that I love so much is hearing, were you sticking to one particular style of music? You were saying earlier that, you know, you're working with different groups and things like that. Like how much of being a musician in LA or by extension, New York, Chicago, how important is it to be able to change up the styles, whether you're with one specific band or performing with many different musicians? No, that's a great question. I think so. It's kind of two parts. Um, With my own personal music, it was a struggle to figure out where I wanted to land. Mm -hmm. Um, I naturally just being an African-American female, like I'm automatically going to be put in the R&B category. I don't sing R&B music and I re- and I tried it and I love R&B. I do love R&B. Like give me my old school 90s R&B jams and I'm like singing for days, but sure. it's just not what my passion is and what I write and who I've been influenced by. So I'm very much like a pop soul singer songwriter. But when it comes to like when I sing for more corporate events or people that want some cover songs, versatility is so important because you never want them to think that you're not capable of doing something. I mean, even when I tell people, yeah, I have a degree in opera. I can sing an aria if you need to. Like, I'm able to do it. Yeah, when you said that earlier, I was just like, that's one more thing to add to the list of credits. <laughs> Don't, opera add singer. To the list. Yeah. <laughs> Don't add any more. <laughs> the business card is full. Right. It's, it is, it is. Um, but yeah, so I mean, with with some of the cover gigs I've done, you know, just for sustainability and income through throughout LA and throughout the past years, I've done Top 40, I've done R&B, I've done, you know, country, I've done Southern rock and, and stuff. You just have to be versatile and it's fun. It really is cool being able to sing other genres and, and, and expose yourself to different types of music that you wouldn't normally sing. Of course. And what's your preparation? Like, you know, one day you're performing one style, the the next day you're doing something else. Like, do you have a specific technique or preparation that you do if you're changing up your style or is it always the same? Is it always consistent? That's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm actually pretty consistent. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's certain things like when I'm practicing, like with technique from my, with my voice teacher or whatever, like with more belty stuff, there's this different technique that you're going to take. Then obviously if you're singing something that's more easily listening or even like more classical piece, but it's just really about vocal health and warming up and practicing. That's it's really all it is. Outside of just the the craft and everything like what would you say is a challenge or something that a lot of musicians face especially in the music industry it's always changing there's always a new trend that's popping up so are there any challenges that you would say if you're thinking of going into this industry know this and if so any possible solutions or strategies to approach that you know my my answer isn't necessarily uh directly related to the music industry and it's not uh, really connected to anything like business or music wise. I think that the biggest thing that musicians face in this industry is comparison. I think we get stuck thinking, and I, I mean, I'm preaching to myself right now and I need to listen to the words that are about to come out of my mouth. (laughs) Um, But I think we get stuck in this hole of uh, comparing ourselves. I mean, social media has obviously made that a lot easier to do, unfortunately. Of course. And we compare ourselves to other people's successes and gigs that they got or people that they're working with, not knowing that somebody probably is feeling that way about you. I think we need to just be happy of of the own things that we do and our own accomplishments and 
and and know that what's meant to be ours will be ours in our own time and what somebody else's is meant to be theirs. And I have to keep reminding myself because I do get stuck in that hole sometime. And I'm very happy and very supportive of my friends always, no matter what. But we do get these little things like, oh, like, well, how did they get that? Why don't I have that? You know, and it's, it's very easy to do so. But I also have to remember, for example, one of my guitar players or drummers gets on a tour. It's like, it's very different for like just a musician than it is for a solo artist. And that's something that we also have to remember. But then if you're comparing yourself to solo artists, it's like, well, is your music different? Is your look different? Like there's so many variables that I think people forget when they get into this like comparison rabbit hole. So it's just like, turn all of that off and mind your business, tend to your garden and do the best that you're supposed to be doing. Bam. <laughs> wow. I, I hope everyone listened to that and wrote it all down because I'm going to go back and listen to it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think that's so important, especially when it comes to social media, you always see the, Oh, working on set this day, working on set that day, or Hey, I got my SAG card or all these things. And right, it's so right. important to, like you said, tend to your garden. You're on your own journey. Life throws different things at each of us at different times. So it's so important to be able to just focus on doing good work. For sure. And I imagine with acting, I know people that can see somebody on TV and it's like, I look like them. Like, why didn't I get that part? You yeah. know, it's so easy to just fall into that trap. It's like, you have no idea how they got that part. No idea what their audition process was. No idea who their agent knows. You know, it just, it is what it is. Of course. Uh, one of the things that I try to practice and, you know, sometimes I'm better at it other days than others, but I just try to practice gratitude, like good for them. You know, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, they're in situations where they're going in for auditions for projects that I'm not being called in for, but like good on them for booking it. Yeah, for sure. Like for it's, sure. you know, and I feel like if we're just, if we just practice gratitude more about being happy for one another of booking work and being consistent or, you yeah. know, sometimes it's a breakout performance. Like yes. if we celebrate that, then it makes the, the hustle a bit lighter. Absolutely agree. This kind of steps away from being a musician for a little bit, but how would you define the Hollywood hustle? It's never ending. <laughs> That's for sure. Sound bite. Uh, it is never ending. Um, I think it's the constant fight for, and this isn't a bad thing, but it's a constant fight for wanting to establish yourself in some way and wanting to make an impact. I think that you know, there are people that are like, I just want to be famous. And it's like, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, some people are like, this is what I love. And I want this to be the thing that pays my bills. That's great. And that's what it should be. And other people are like, I just want to make a difference. And I want the platform to be able to do that. And that's kind of the, um, I mean, aside from being able to pay my bills, but that's kind of the um, route that I've recently taken because when well, I wouldn't even say recently, I think that's the route that I've always taken. It's like, I just want to, a platform to be able to do the things that I want to do. And so that's what my hustle specifically has been. But yeah, in general, I just think the Hollywood hustle is trying to, is fighting to find your place in, in this crazy industry. Is there anything in all the years, whether it's been in LA, New York, or Chicago, that any particular experience that tested your commitment oh, to that? Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. You're making me go back into the memory vault. Um, I know. Let's break that door open. Um, just, okay. A friend of mine said this once when I told him a situation that I had with a manager that completely screwed me over. And I realized in talking to him that I definitely dived into the situation too quickly. And he told me, make sure as you you know go about your career that your desire and your hunger is not louder than your intuition. 
And that is I that has stayed with me because I think we get so obsessed with wanting to succeed and wanting to achieve this thing, whatever the thing is, is that we don't listen to our intuition like this probably isn't right for me. And I knew that signing with this manager wasn't right with me, wasn't right for me, but I did it anyway. And then it ended up being a really bad little blip on the timeline of my life. Um, But I think, yeah, so that's definitely tested. Okay, well, am I meant to be doing this? Do I want to be doing this? It's like, yes, but I just made a bad decision. And now I need to be cautious as I move forward and making sure I make the right decisions. Um, Because I think, yeah, it's very easy to just jump on something because it seems like it's going to be an incredible opportunity and then it's not. Yeah. Of course, learning as you move forward Yeah, and not letting those mistakes hinder anything as you move forward. For sure. It's easy for us to replay our own negative social media. Yes. And and a little bit of like, oh, I made that mistake and oh, I'm just going to keep making that. And I practice meditation and mindfulness. Oh, good for you. Um, And it's just about being able to take that experience and put it in the learning vault. Yes. As it, yes, as yes, it were. Yes. And and just keep moving forward, but taking those lessons yes, learned. Absolutely. I, had, I had a very similar experience with an agent that you always want to have someone out there booking, helping you totally. book work absolutely. and everything. And absolutely. if especially when someone reaches out their hand of like, hey, I want to represent you. I want to, you know, do good things for yeah. you. There is that automatic temptation of saying immediately, yes. Exactly. And exactly. I had a very, very similar situation, yeah, yeah. it sounds like. Uh, I'm sure it's more common than not, <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, I mean, we're not rare, I'm sure, in that situation. but Yeah, of course. And speaking of doing work that makes a difference, we need to talk about we, <laughs> we need, need to, to talk, talk. <laughs> your podcast that yes, you co-host yes, um yes, yes. Uh, uh, remind me your carmel carmel yes yes yeah. uh, i've been listening to quite a few episodes and one of the things i will just say off the bat you know we, we don't talk politics too much on the podcast because we focus on artists and entrepreneurs which is great thank but, you for doing that <laughs> but what i love is that you are your podcast is such a positive political discussion oh, because you. it's not focusing on the what we'd normally see on the headlines every mm-hmm, single day. Mm-hmm. You're talking about real issues that yeah. are connected to the community and are about talking about solutions yeah. and trying to understand. And I I really appreciate that. Oh, I, thank you. I'm a political podcast junkie. <laughs> I can't help it. But yours is one of the first that I've come across where it's just like, oh, thank goodness, taking a break from the the tweets yeah. and, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. those things because yeah. that will always be there. For sure. But you're talking about issues that I think we need actually need to be having more conversations about. So, um, I've been rambling. Let me throw it over to you. So what was the inspiration for we need to talk? Um, I mean, I've always been so involved and interested in activism and uh, a friend of mine joked with me about a year ago saying like, can you go a day without having a 50 plus comment thread on your Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's a good question because I'll always spark some sort of conversation, be it political, be it about culture, entertainment, whatever. The basis of We Need to Talk started actually as a live panel discussion uh, at my church. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have a talk about racism in America. And I just wanted to just do a one-time thing. And I was like, hey, I think it's important. Can I host this kind of panel? So I got five panelists. We had a really great crowd. We talked about racism in America. It was great. And then people asked me to keep doing it. So that became kind of a quarterly thing that we did at my church. And I was like, well, this is really great. People wanted to keep this conversation going. Why don't I start a podcast? Podcasts are like the thing now. I hear they are. I hear they are. <laughs> I hear they are. And um, Carmel, who's my co-host, he had been a friend of mine for many years. And 
we agree and disagree in a, in a very great way. And I was like, oh, I think this would be a good dynamic. So that that is really good because sometimes, especially with political podcasts, yes. you need people of differing opinions. For sure. To sure. to kind of keep that conversation yes, absolutely. going. Absolutely. He's like, I he I call him the conspiracy theorist. He's like, I am a critical thinker. I'm like, whatever <laughs> you say, Carmel. So that's that's our one first argument. Yeah. I think he's that. He thinks he's that anyway. So um I was like, this will be a good dynamic. So we started the podcast and it's just been so great. And then I just recently launched the blog to kind of coincide with that to be an additional um, medium to. And, and kind where of can express. people read the blog? It's we need to talk the blog.com. Super easy. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the blog is more of an extension of my Facebook statuses that have 50 plus comment thread, which it really is true. And I, when he said that, I was like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, oh, I really can't. <laughs> But it's good. I get people talking. I get discussion. But yeah, I mean, I think it's important that people talk. And and I think that's really important, especially now with social media. It is so easy to blast someone or blast this particular issue. Yeah. You know, I, I've totally tried having conversations on Facebook yeah. about certain issues and with a complete intention of wanting to create a conversation, mm -hmm. but then in the comments thread, other people jump on and it quickly becomes, oh, yeah. you're right, you're wrong, yeah. you're an idiot, you yeah. need to get out, and it just all of a sudden breaks down. Right. So I think creating a space and a platform and also a place for people to learn how to have that conversation Absolutely. is really, really important. Absolutely. And I think with social media, I mean, yeah, anybody with two thumbs thinks that now they can just say and do whatever they want, which is just, you know, it's been set up that way. But for me, I love engaging with people that they don't agree with. I recently on Instagram, I had somebody post a tweet that I had and then post it on their Instagram and then just go off about me, not knowing anything about me. And then he was surprised that I responded. And then he edited his whole caption and was like, I apologize to her. She's actually a really great person and really took the time to listen to me, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's all I wanted. I was like, you assumed stuff about me because of one tweet that I said, because I said, well, I don't want to, well, I'm going to say what I said. Yeah. My tweet was basically, I said, if you still support this current administration, I am questioning your humanity because there's a lot of negativity going on. Plain and simple. That's like, you know, I just, I'm questioning it. So people got upset by that and he posted that and he said all this stuff. And I said, where did I say that in my tweet? I asked him and he was shocked that I even responded. Of course. You know, and then we had a really great conversation and he totally apologized. And people even on the thread were shocked that I responded with such politeness because I'm like, look, I'm not going to fight fire with fire in this situation. Like you're angry for whatever reason you're angry, you know, and that's the other thing I always have to think when these people are very, very angry on social media, like something's clearly else going on in their life. Yeah. And we have to remember that. Where we lose each other is not trying to understand one Absolutely. another. We don't necessarily have to agree on right. the approach, but mm -hmm. we have to understand that, as you said, the humanity yeah. of it. Yeah. And I think it's just so important that uh, podcasts such as yours kind of shows people, hey, we might have different ideas. Right, but let's talk about it. But let's talk about yeah. it. Uh, so uh, with that, like, wh who are the guests that you generally have on your show? And then is there something that you believed in starting this podcast that maybe has changed? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, that's really since, great question. Since your interviews, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say the type of guests that we have range. It's it's a wide range of, and I hate to say everyday people, but of everyday people or people that are specific experts in their field. Like we've, you know, we've had a political strategist, writers, um, other podcasters, you know, activists, and, and then just people that I, you know, connect with and know that are friends, you know, and that I think have great opinions. As far as, is there anything that, like I've, that my opinion has changed on. Ooh, that's really, 
I'd have to think about that yeah. actually, because I don't know if there is. I'm just trying to think. Um, or, or is there maybe some a perspective that you learned that you maybe didn't necessarily think about beforehand, and it, it maybe you don't necessarily need to. No, I, okay. I actually no. This is good, and this actually wasn't necessarily with the pot. Well, it was with the podcast, but it was someone that responded and someone that I had a conversation with it. Because I don't consider myself super liberal. I consider myself like more liberal moderate, but this person was very conservative. And we had a conversation about why they actually continue to support Trump. And it's and they owned up to it's not that they support Trump, but their policies that they know that the Republicans are passed are things that they believe in. And I didn't I mean, I knew that, but actually talking to somebody and having them explain it. I'm like, okay, but are those policies greater than the negativity that's being brought? And we had a really great discussion, but it was interesting to hear why those policies mean so much to that person, because nobody had ever taken the time to actually explain why those policies mattered to Republicans. Because, you know, normal people that just fight on social media, they're like, oh, he's the president, you support him, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, no, it's not that simple. Um, it's just not. No. So actually having that conversation with with somebody was very, very interesting. And I also learned that, and I don't know if you know this, but being a conservative is like they just want to conserve what they already know. Yes. And yeah. I'm like, that's exactly what it is. That thank you. And I was glad to just have that conversation. Hey, League of Hustle, I'm interrupting this interview real quick to give you a preview of the kind of discussions Melinda has on We Need to Talk. For the next couple of minutes, I'm going to play a snippet from an episode that Daniel and I reference in this next section of our interview with Melinda. So I thought it would be a great idea to clue you guys into that discussion. You're going to hear Melinda speak with her guest, Dr. Thomas Parham. He's a professor and executive director of screenwriting and curricular development of cinematic arts at Melinda's alma mater, Azusa Pacific University. He's a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and spent seven years in active duty, which he qualified for as a surface warfare officer. Since then, he's been a member of the Screen Actors Guild of America and has written for the long-running CBS drama JAG and for the family channel sitcom Big Brother Jake and has served as an on-location writer's assistant for the third season of Touched by an Angel. You'll also get to hear from Melinda's co-host, Carmel Humphrey, who is a comedian and an entrepreneur. Join this discussion. So as a writer, um, how have you had to write about religions that you were never exposed to? And how do you, how have you noticed that other writers have approached those types of situations? I, you know, having a PhD means I know how to do research. So when, I, <laughs> right. so when I, when I'm, you know, if I were to write about different religions than the one I practice, I do research. Mm -hmm. I had a great con I had great conversations. My junior was it my no, I think my sophomore summer at the Naval Academy. A good friend of mine is Catholic, and we just sat for an evening and talked about okay, so what do y'all believe and what do you don't believe? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we don't pray to the saints, we pray through the saints. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a good friend, wouldn't you want them to pray for you? That's how it is. And because there's a lot of weird Protestants, there's a lot of anti Catholic bias, which annoys me because mm -hmm. I have some very dear friends who are born again, committed Christians, and they're Roman Catholic. Yeah. But there's a lot of, uh, the university where I used to teach does not have Catholic professors, and I don't think they have Catholic students. And that's weird to me. We, APU is very Catholic friendly. One of our faculty senate moderators, Trish Haynes, she just retired nursing prof, but she's Catholic, and one faculty workshop, she actually explained the rosary to the faculty. 
because even though APU is known as Protestant evangelical, we have a wide swath of religious traditions, mm. which is kind of cool. And yeah. I've, I've been associated with different Catholic schools and churches through a myriad of different things, and I've always felt like being a, you know brought up in a Baptist, Baptist church, I always had this weird thing against Catholicism. When I was there, I felt comfortable, and I mm-hmm. felt like, why is this mm-hmm. a problem? Like I, I enjoy the community here, mm-hmm. like the, what they're doing that. Now, those are some things I didn't understand or didn't get, but for the most part, I felt comfortable, and I didn't understand why when I got back to my Baptist church or even a non-denominational church, there was this bias against Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird, as you as you say, that you know, there's a school you went to that didn't have any Catholicism or any Catholic preachers or uh, teachers or, or professors, but it's Christian. It's still mm-hmm. it's still Christian, yeah. regardless of oh, being yeah. Catholicism or right, Protestant. Right. It's still Christian, and why why we don't have the other whole other sector that's you know as big as the one we profess. Yeah, I think part of it is just that people don't people fear what they don't know, what oh, they don't sure. understand. Absolutely. And uh, one of the interesting things is our students come from a wide variety of traditions. And it's fascinating, especially some of the homeschool kids where you can tell, or the kids who went to majority white high schools, Mm -hmm. and now they're in a multi-ethnic environment. So it it makes for interesting discussions in class. I'm teaching uh, ethics and cinematic arts this semester, have a really great class, and we had a great discussion yesterday about a wide variety of subjects. But I think it's really important that if you're not aware of a specific religion, whether it's Mormonism, whether Mm -hmm. it's Judaism, etc., do your research. Yeah. And if you have a friend, ask them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's just a bit of episode two from season two of We Need to Talk. If you want to listen to more of Melinda's podcast after this episode, search for hashtag We Need to Talk in your podcast player or just find it on iTunes. Now, back to our conversation with Melinda. So I uh, want to welcome back Daniel into the conversation. <laughs> uh, during the recording, you guys might have heard he actually had to step out because you had a phone call. I heard Daniel. someone calling for help through my supersonic hearing and <laughs> had to step out uh, and turn into Super Daniel. No, uh, sorry about that family call, but the conversation's been going great. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, but been having a wonderful time. Yes. Um, but one of the things that it's also really great about this show is that you also talk about politics within the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. one of your recent conversations, you had former professor of yours uh, come on to talk specifically about how faith is represented in the entertainment industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That was just a super interesting conversation. You want to maybe share with our listeners? Yeah, so I mean, I I claim to be a Christian and my side note is that I'm not crazy, stupid, or ignorant, but I I am a Christian um, and I'm sad that I have to say that, but... I would say a uh, phrase more you claim Christianity instead of yes. claim to be Christian. That's great. That's it's a, a little way, more, yeah. it's almost like I claim to be a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's great. Um, but yeah, so we talked about just the role that uh, religion and faith can play in entertainment industry and how important it is just as we want representation for diversity as far as races and cultures that mm-hmm. same with religion because I think that people... TV and entertainment shapes a lot of our lives and our opinions on things. Just we can, I think we can all agree on that. So if we are able to see different religions even represented in TV and film, we might have different perspectives on those as well. I, I feel one of my, one of my biggest issues with with uh, faith based entertainment, mm-hmm. um, and we've discussed this before with uh, our guest Ale- Alexander Boylan, who does faith-based films. She writes, and, and not that's not the only thing she builds, but that's one of her focuses, faith-based films, mm-hmm. is always that, and I think it's the same way when you have like um, sometimes LBGTQ characters or minority characters. It's almost this like, 
hey, here's here's yeah. this. Here's this, guys. We put in uh, a lesbian couple. Like we and, checked off oh, the yeah, box. We, yeah. Guys, here's a, someone who's Muslim. And here's a whole episode right. about that they're Muslim. Right, and, right, right. Hey, we did it, guys. And so it's almost just kind of not just a part of the world. It's this weird, like, hey, look at us. They're Christian. And we overdo it. And they're praying. So guess what? They're Christian. I you know totally what I mean? agree with you. And, and I, it's like, yeah. if we could bring it in in this subtle, like, they're just An a part of way. life. Yeah. It's just a part of life. I agree. And I think the one person that does that seamlessly is Shonda Rhimes. Yes. She's just like, these are the characters and this is the storyline. And she doesn't even really draw attention to the fact that that's who they are. It's like, this is just who they are. All these types of people work at the hospital and it just is what it is. I, funny enough, going kind of the same, a little bit of the same genre or style of show, uh, Scrubs mm, was I very seen similar. Show, but so there's, cool. there's a character in there who uh, is, is, is a person of faith and they they use a lot with not quote unquote shaming people in like a silly way, but like always referencing Jesus. And yeah, she goes yeah. to church, and they do have some episodes focusing on her faith mm-hmm. and and people who doubt that faith. Yeah, um, and the battle there. And but it was never done in a way of like we're making fun of the Christian right. faith. Right. Um. And it's just that is just there's someone there who is very strong yeah. in their faith. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, when you can just put that in subtly and as a part of life. Uh, like any other thing, like you said, like representational wise, um, that's just a world building. For sure. For sure. There are people of many faiths. But w- one of the things that your guest also discussed was the importance of also understanding the full mm-hmm. aspects of that faith and yeah. how often, you know, you get people who don't understand Islam yeah. writing characters who practice Islam. Right. And then it's just right. a very bland, generic yes. <laughs> version yes. of that. Or only, you know, a very jaded version of that. For sure. Well but, they make or they make them the bad guys. Not just Islam, but like the yeah. cr- the the people of religion are the yeah. bad guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah. they're they're the ones stopping the fun. Right. Or keeping good times from rolling. And that sadly does come from not being exposed to people that are unlike you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why we should all have all different types of friends. <laughs> <laughs> well one of the things that we're kind of also talking about this is just the the bridge of art and politics Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and and the role that each can play within that realm you know there are some actors like leonardo dicaprio Mm -hmm. who is so for the environment right like that is his issue that he champions yeah Um, i I would say more activism so art and activism and less less than politics just how 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 can the arts help that side and vice versa i mean when you have a huge platform, like like I said, you know, TV, film, entertainment, it all is such a huge part of everybody's life, no matter what you do. Like, you either listen to music or you have a TV show that you're obsessed with or you go and see every single Marvel movie, except for Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. Still I hasn't will, seen Endgame, guys. I, uh, the, Still the, hasn't the seen The Endgame. biggest one, like the series, <laughs> the season finale. Of, I had to. Of I, had to. I will have watched Endgame by the time this episode drops. <laughs> But, I mean, but he you, has seen Hobbs and Shaw five times. No, you don't. No, I just kidding. Just I kidding. Not. I was like, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Priorities, um, Michael. Just, Priorities. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, when you have a platform like that that is exposed to everybody in the world, like you have to be able to use it for some form of good, right? Well, I know you you, you have a song, uh, Story, that you mm-hmm. can, I think your, your music video, you, you used your music video to kind of point a uh, spotlight on the homeless problem. Yes, and, yes, yes. And, the, and, and what's going on there. And I think... Mm-hmm. Um, using those, you someone who has uh, eyes on them that can use that platform to put out a message like that, uh, like Leonardo DiCaprio with his uh, environmental messages, I think is important because 
they listen to those people. For sure. Um, you know, For they sure. buy a certain lipstick, they're going to buy that yep. lipstick. Yep. Uh, they wear this dress, they're going to buy that dress. And so using that cult-like mindset to a benefit uh, towards the world or a society, um, I think is a great way to kind of use that quote-unquote power Absolutely. that you might have. Absolutely agreed. I just feel like when you get to a certain level in your career, you kind of have a duty to give back in that way. A lot of people may not have that mindset, but I think if you have the opportunity to do so, you got to pay it forward in some way. Yeah, I think that's, it's really important. It's it's kind of a certain amount of responsibility that you hold as a celebrity, right? Yeah. That you are so visible, you are so well known that your actions speak for you. Is there anything that you would recommend for our listeners as far as like if they want to get involved in a particular issue or anything and anything that you would recommend if they want to rather than being a slacktivist, as it were, like right. posting about it on social media, right, which right. I mean, keeps the conversation going, but anything beyond that, what would you recommend? I mean, volunteer. It, it, for example, with homelessness, there's any time of the year you can volunteer just serving meals and having a conversation with the people that come to get a free meal and making them feel like humans. You know, um, my church every Tuesday, we have uh, Tuesday mornings, we have a, um, homeless ministry where we give out clothes and we give out lunches to the homeless. And then, you know, for Easter and Christmas, you can volunteer at places like LA Mission to serve meals to them. I mean, there's so many opportunities to to just give back in that way. If you're passionate about kids, you know, find youth programs where you can be a mentor in that sense. Um, if you're passionate about LGBT, talk to the LGBTQ centers and see if you can volunteer for any of their galas or any of their programs that they have. There's just endless opportunities to give back in that way. People just can't be afraid to to move forward and, and do things. And especially in like today's politically charged times, it's important to know that there are other things beyond politics that you can go towards. Like you said, like the homeless issues or the environment. It's just, there's a lot that you can, a lot of good that you can do in this right. world that it doesn't have to do with blue versus red. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you know, we talked earlier about it. I, I made a joke about when do you sleep? Uh, <laughs> it is true that, you know, as artists, and I have felt that uh, even somewhat recently where you you start overwhelming yourself and your time and uh, uh, putting so much on your plate because like, oh, I really want to do this. And I really want to do this. Right. And then, you, you know, how do you step back and, and focus on you? What, what is your process to remind yourself to give you space, to give you time? To just just have you time. Does that naturally happen when you sit and write music, or do you have to like make time and go? I'm gonna go get a pedicure. I'm gonna go run. I'm <laughs> gonna go have pedicures. brunch with a friend. I'm gonna go watch a movie. Like I need what to is get a pedicure? What is? How do you find time for you? It's still a struggle. <laughs> it is. Um, I recently. Do you guys know what the Enneagram test is? Have you ever taken that? Mm. No. So it's one of the most accurate personality tests I've ever taken, and I took it, and I was just like personally attacked by how accurate it was but my type is a 3w2 and it's the achiever and i have like an obsession with always having to do something to achieve and it totally is who i am but i realize it can become a problem if i don't take time for self-care so yes i do figure out how to uh get a pedicure um another thing i love to do my husband and i love to do i don't know if you've ever been to just float in pasadena it's what's that oh my god it's gonna change your (laughs) life if you go so basically it's like a, a hot tub but it's like kind of uh, tepid, more tepid water, lukewarm water with like Epsom salt. And you just lay in there and float for an hour. And it had, they have like peaceful meditation music and it's so calming and it just gets you very centered and and it's so peaceful and such a a wonderful experience. So 
will float on occasion. Um, or I just like to binge watch just like crap TV. Yeah, that's my that's my my getaway. And I mean, obviously, writing music is is very therapeutic for me, and that is a personal thing. But there are some guilty pleasures that I love. I love this is I hate admitting this, but I love reading teen novels. Don't judge me. <laughs> no um, but yeah, so like any if like those freeform TV shows, if there was a book of them, I've probably read it like all the Pretty Little Liars or like, you know, all the Twilight <laughs> series. Like I love just reading teen novels because that's kind of just an escape. Do you have a, a routine that you kind of stick by or does it change? Quite it does change, but I have my little like to do list on my phone that and specific days that I try to dedicate to certain things. So like, I don't know if this is what it is, but like Mondays and Wednesdays, I'll focus on like my music. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesdays, I have to focus on church stuff just because that's what happens. Uh, planning out Sundays because I'm the worship leader at my church. <laughs> Add that to the list. <laughs> um, and then I know. And then because I also... I can't believe I'm saying this. Now you're making me think I do too much, but I also run, I also <laughs> run, a, I run my music agency. I have my music agency right. that I run with my husband. So I try to focus on that on some Wednesdays and Thursdays. So it kind of overlap on Wednesdays a bit. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, I, I try to make it a chill day, but that's not as often as I would like it to be. If anybody ever sat down, and go, I want you to list everything that you are in charge of. And you start listing it down. You realize like, wow, I do a and I sound crazy. Like, I really sound crazy. But it's really not as much as it seems. I promise it's not because I'm, you know, I'm stable. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not she's, like, yeah, I'm not guys, crazy. She's not crazy. She's right. very stable. She's very sweet. I mean, she's now she she is running around and pacing back and forth right now. Uh, can't get her to sit down. Uh, now she's just jumping on the couch. Now she's, she's, she's Tom cruising it right oh now. She's Tom cruising oh it. Oh my gosh! Uh, is there anything? I mean, obviously, homelessness. I know is something that you uh, focus on. Is there anything in the music industry? Maybe is something that you that's maybe a topic that's arisen or going on that you feel strongly about? For sure. One of my my good friends, who's a fellow artist, she's really started this conversation. And I guess I personally haven't had these. Uh, bad of situations with misogyny in the music industry, but I, I definitely have seen it happen to other people. And I don't know why I've been lucky to not really have had issues with it, but I have been. Um, and I think mainly maybe because I've just made myself a boss in that sense, you know, and, and always been in charge. But I think it is something that people really do need to start talking about um, and giving females more opportunities to be in charge and, treating them like equals you know it's crazy that that's still kind of such an archaic mindset yeah. of you know the men are the executives the female are the artists the females have to have this sort of look or whatever to be pop artists and stuff and um i, I do want it to change i really really do but my friend has really started this conversation and i'm starting to get involved in it as well but it's an important one have you did you you may have been the one that posted did you see michelle williams speech at the Emmys. I cried. It was so good. Have you read that? It was I have not. so, so beautiful. So she won for uh, um, Fosse. And one thing she talked about in her speech is how lucky she felt to work with people at FX that listened to her. When she said she needed this, they didn't say, no, no, we know what you need. They listened to her. And she's like, when you listen to women and and people of color and they tell you, I need this to do my job. And you say, yes, no, whatever you need, you're going to get the best out of them. And so like the next time you try to pay someone less than their male counterparts, don't be surprised when you don't get the best out of them. Uh, it was an incredible it's, speech. It's a really, really good speech. It, there's transcripts of it online. Sure. I was just say, look at it. Kind of reminds me, Francis McDormand, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. making sure that everyone's paid equally as well. And again, perfect example of 
artists using their celebrity to yeah. push yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, something that they believe in. And, and I know there's been, speaking of Mar- Michael not saying in-game, um, there's rumors. Uh, Spoilers I've heard rumors really like when they've talked to female directors uh, to do these action films that a lot of times they'll be like, they'll be like we have the action stuff handled. That, that kind of thing of like, Everybody can do whatever you need them to do. Artists are artists. Directors are directors. No matter the gender. Singers are singers. No matter what. Or like this idea like singers, female singers need to be able to have backup dancers and have a big entertainment show. And But male singers can come out by themselves. Yeah. And it's like... What, but With what, a guitar. Which I think stand like, there. Uh, I yeah. think the, uh, A Star is Born is a great mm-hmm. reference of that, of how sure. that music industry like slowly says okay i love what you do i I love it yeah (laughs) but you know what if we added this beat and they're just slowly chipping away at your artistry but it's also interesting how many artists are willing to do that and they view that as paying their dues and like that's fine but a lot of people just aren't willing to and i you know everybody has their own path but it's okay if you're not willing to do that and want to keep a little bit of your integrity in doing so so uh, one of the things we're doing this season as we kind of wrap up here is celebrating uh, uh, any small wins that you might have. Uh, it's easy to f- uh, focus so hard on the big things or that, that, that where the road ends of like the Emmy or the Grammy or the Oscar or whatever. Um, and you forget to think of like, like I had a table read last week and, and that's a huge win. And that's, that's something you don't you know. We didn't make the movie, but we had a table read and we're on to the next step. Um, are there any small wins in the last week or two that you uh, would love to celebrate? Because we would love to celebrate oh, them. You're, you guys are awesome. <laughs> um, and I love that you do that because it is very true. We mm-hmm. don't focus on the small things and we get obsessed with the big accomplishments. But the small things are the ones that lead up to the big accomplishments. Absolutely. Um, it's so funny that I think like the first thing I'm going to think of is kind of a big accomplishment. But I, I'm gonna, I want a Grammy. I, <laughs> Could you imagine? I was like, man, I want a Grammy. Okay. But, what? Uh, I know. Um, no, and an Emmy. I would. I think I would cry for you. I would like literally start bawling over like, <laughs> what? Oh my god. Oh man, uh, one day, one day. But no, um, no, it, it, it wasn't in the last couple of weeks. It was in the last couple of months. Yeah. But um, one of the agencies I sing with called Sunset Singers. I started a new duo with them. And our first gig was opening for Smokey Robinson at uh, the Mid State Fair. Yeah, so yeah, that was awesome. It was pretty cool. And he was the nicest human being in oh. the entire world. And it was very complimentary and definitely made me at least personally feel like I was, you know, on the right path for nice. sure. So that's fantastic. Cool. And it's so interesting though, because I'm like somebody who's that old and like literally is music, like he is music. Yeah. Um, to be that kind and complimentary, it like makes me wonder like why people are so mean sometimes. Like <laughs> he could have been mean. I would have been like, he's Smokey Robinson. Like he's 79. He could be mean if he wants. Yeah. But he was just the kindest human being. Well, he, he also just has the coolest name. Like Smokey. Just, and it's just Smokey his Robinson. Name. Like, yeah. Just sounds like a guy that's just chilling just and just chatting with you about out. life, man. Exactly. Yeah. We're Smokey at. He's over there just hanging out <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's yeah so like. that was a recent that's one awesome. for sure yeah uh, anything any other ones this, uh, uh, I think, uh, how doesn't even res- have to be industry based it no, could for be sure. anything um, I mean the response to the blog has been great um, they're really good the thank articles you. are fantastic thank you I really appreciate and that and again uh, what's the name of the blog we need to talk the blog.com 
Um, and another small win. And, and these are things that I tend to forget. And my husband reminds me of these often, but I had somebody, uh, contact me and say, Oh, I need to talk to you. You know, you got me in trouble. And I was like, Oh no. (laughs) And, uh, so she contacted me and said that she had been writing this uh, script and she works in the industry and she ended up pitching this, uh, movie idea to, um, a Fox executive and he they're like well we'll sit on the idea but it was basically a story about the lack of uh a diversity in hollywood and how hollywood executives are afraid of it so it was a very bold move for her yeah and then but she told me that the only reason she felt comfortable doing that is because of all of the stuff that i had been saying on social media and i was like oh my god you're gonna make me cry (laughs) so she like thanked me she's like thank you for like pushing us to speak out and talk about things and you know this is how i feel comfortable talking about it you know through my writing and you know, they're, they're looking at the script and even if they don't take it, I'm really proud of myself for even being able to to come to them and present this, you know, because they were kind of offended. Yeah, it's it's you kind of when you do stuff like this, you kind of live in the bubble of what you do. Yeah. And so when you have people that come to you and write you or, 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 or come up to you and say, like, you know, you whatever your product was inspired me or um uh, touched me or affected me in this way that inspired me to do something yeah. is it, like, it can be literally one person of a thousand and it's like, I'm going to do this forever. Absolutely. Like yeah. that's the Absolutely. greatest moment possible. It validates what you're trying to do. Yeah. And it's Absolutely. Really, really it's, great. it's so nice. Um, so real quick, I'm going to say thank you to Michael for leading this interview pretty much. Um, I'm going to be honest. I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. And no, hear what course. you guys talked about it. We had a great time, um, Daniel. But also, <laughs> I'm going to be sad and miss them of the conversation. <laughs> but I also, also want to thank Melinda. Of course. Uh, no, this isn't your first time no, on the show. No, this is not. Absolutely. Uh, you can also check out some of the conversation we had with her earlier this year with yeah. um, our guest. Katerina. Katerina Vanderham. 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 That one. But yeah, thank you so much you. for talking with us. Yeah, I'm so excited much. to see what your answers are to these next several okay. questions. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go, as Melinda is knowing of, uh, we always play a little game with our guests. Uh, before we started, you picked three uh, uh, numbers that correlate with questions uh, from a quiz from MySpace. Because mm-hmm. before <laughs> Facebook and after Friendster, there was this beautiful place called MySpace where people did. wasted all their time and <laughs> took forever for a page to load. What if God was one of those playing? And you f- argue with your friends about top sixes and top eights and all that fun stuff. Uh, now Justin Timberlake owns it. Um, so, which is true. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, he owns it. He wanted to make it a music space. And so, and that's what and it's that, mostly become. Now. Yeah, it's become a, a space oh. for art, music artists. Wow, interesting. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, fun fact. <laughs> um, but you picked six numbers before we started. Now you have been around as a guest host for when I've done yes. this before, but you have not read the questions before, correct? I have not. All righty, I just want everybody to know this is not rigged. I can't wait. <laughs> Melinda Hell, are you ready for your MySpace quiz? I am. All right. Question number one: Have you ever lost someone special? Yes, I have. All right. Uh, what is your zodiac sign? I am a Leo. Okay. All right. What's your uh, What's your birthday? August twenty first. Uh, August twenty sixth. Ah, right on the cusp there. Out. Yeah, right on the cusp. So some of these questions are just this or that, but there's no like reference like what you're talking about. <laughs> like like if you're talking about other people or yourself. Oh my god. Um. So we'll say for this question, we'll say uh uh on on. Uh, person of the romantic opposite, whatever you romantically love on the other side. Okay. Uh, lips 
or eyes? Ooh. Hmm. Gosh, can't be a combo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say eyes because I think that's the first thing I noticed about my husband. Yeah. Okay, his eyes. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, so this question I mentioned can be, I think, a little bit um, of a, devi- a divisive question with okay. women. And it's such a simple question, but I think it's very divisive. Um, is it cute when your husband uh, calls you baby? Yeah, okay. sure. Yeah. All right. I know some yeah, women don't oh care for it or babe, yeah. they don't care for it. Oh so I was, it's always interesting. I only get upset if they, I hear bae. Bae? Oh, bae. yeah. I, what I, I don't do bae. <laughs> No, I don't do bae. What about bebe? No. Bae or baby's totally fine, but bae? No, 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 no. (laughs) All right. Now, your best friend Mm -hmm. of the opposite sex Mm -hmm. likes you. What do you do? Tell him to stop it. (laughs) I'm married. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. I get it, but stop it. Yeah. It's All a right. huge compliment, it's, but no. It's huge. All right. Melinda Hell, your last MySpace quiz question is, have you ever watched TV for five straight hours or more? Yes, when I've been sick. Absolutely. <laughs> well, there you go. Absolutely. There you go, Melinda. That is your MySpace qu- <laughs> quiz. Thank you so much for coming oh, on. Thank you. Uh, this was a long time coming. I, I, I didn't get to talk about it. I adore your podcast. Thank I you. adore you. I you adore your social media. Thank you. uh, you're one of my favorite people to follow. Oh, you're so positive. You. Uh, are such an inspiration, just not only in in as an activist, but in your hustle and your 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 uh, I joke about it, but all that you do is amazing, Thank and you so uh, much. and you're just a lovely person to boot. So uh, awesome. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you? Where can they find your music? Where can they book you? Where can they listen to you? All the things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So social media is just at Melinda Hill. Thank the Lord nobody had my name. So it's just Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook. It's just at Melinda Hale. M A L Y N D A H A L E. And um, if you want to book me for something. It's booking at melindahale.com and then type in Melinda Hale on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, if anybody's still doing Pandora, um, and YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and the podcast is hashtag we yes, need to talk. Yes, and the podcast is hashtag we need to talk, and the blog is we need to talk the blog.com. We need to talk. Do you just talk about blogs? Or no, I'm <laughs> so everybody, uh, may your cruise ship be amazing and have a wonderful performer on it in this life. May you find time to nap and rest and float uh, and everything you need to do. But always remember to keep up the hustle. Stop and take a minute. Think about where you're going right now. You pretend that this boulevard isn't crying right now And I know that it's hard to see somebody broken down If they got to wear your shoes, where would they be right now? Where would they be right now? On the street with a sign in your empty hands In a sea of faces never knowing when Someone will notice you, come and take hold of you Help you make a plan Show you how to stand To write your story To write your story
Hey everyone, Michael here with The Bookends. I cannot think of a more uplifting and inspiring interview to wrap up our guest interviews this year. Melinda is a prime example of how dedication and following your intuition can pay off. You don't always have to stick to just one path. You just have to stick to your path and be true to yourself. We'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. Our episode hashtag is Melinda Hale Hustle, and be sure to use it on social media and tag us. On Twitter, we're at LA Hustlecast, and on Facebook and Instagram, we are at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. You can find Dan and I on social media just by using our names on Twitter and on Instagram. Dan is at Daniel Tuttle, T-U-T-T-E-L, and I am at Michael Lutheran, L-U-T-H-E-R-A-N. Remember to check out Melinda's music as well as her podcast, hashtag We Need to Talk, on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rating review on our show page. We have one more episode coming to you in 2019, so if you're new to the show, make sure you subscribe to our channel. In a couple of weeks, Daniel and I will be introducing you guys to our new members of Team Hustle as we embark on a year in review of Season 3, and we share where we're at currently in developing Season 4. It's going to be different. It's going to be exciting. And it's going to be about building and inspiring the Hollywood Hustle community. Now, check out your show notes for more Hustle support items that were mentioned in the interview. But until next time, don't let your desire and hunger be louder than your intuition. And always, keep up the hustle. Hollywood Hustle podcast theme and transition music was provided by bensound.com. The episode segment from Hashtag We Need to Talk podcast was hosted by Melinda Hale and Carmel Humphrey with their special guest, Dr. Thomas Parham. The La La Song was performed by Melinda Hale, written by Melinda Hale and David Brunel, and was produced by Adrian Alvarado, and was mastered by Oasis Mastering. Story was performed by Melinda Hale and produced by Second Season Music Group and JMV Entertainment. Today's episode was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and Michael Lutheran. Daniel Tuttle is our executive producer, and this episode was edited by Michael Lutheran. For more information about this show, including how you can give a financial contribution, please visit HollywoodHustlePodcast.com. Hustle Podcast.